I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right. We're back from podcast vacation. It feels good to be back. I feel like we might go on another vacation right after this, possibly. Mike Minkoff, yeah, my probably. good friend. Yeah, you with us on that Wait, vacation? Wait, is, is it October yet? <laughs> it what, is not October what, yet. What, oh, then what, what are we doing here? I know. I don't know. I really don't know. I feel obligation, I think, is the reason. We'll talk about October because the Celtics released their preseason schedule for October. We'll talk about some of the minor moves and whether it's even worth uh, talking about. We'll talk about the passing of Bill Russell. And we're going to start off by talking about this Durant stuff, which is resurfacing again today on Monday. Uh, it's reported that Kevin Durant sat down with uh, Joe Tsai, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, and reiterated his desire or demand for a trade and framed it in a way that I found interesting, that either you choose me or you fire uh, Sean Marks and, uh, and their head coach, Steve Nash. <sighs> Love that presentation. Um, Mike, let me throw it to you because there was a couple of other things that came up here. Uh, and this is, I think, some aggregation of reporting, but it was also reported that Boston is one of the three teams, including Toronto and Miami, that has a shot or is, at least is at the top of the list to trade for Durant and also spoke about how Durant and Ime Odoka have gotten closer um, since Ime coached Durant when he was an assistant coach last year at Brooklyn. What do you make of all of this, Mike? Um, I mean, I, I hope Boston isn't really that legitimate to get Durant because this smells an awful lot like something Brad Steve, the nightmare that Brad Stevens had to endure just a few years ago when we pack, when Ainge packaged Isaiah Thomas, we didn't know how injured he was at the time. We knew he was hurt coming out of that playoff, but at the time, I think the conventional belief was that he was going to be ready to go for the next season. And, and we traded him and Crowder and, you know, other other players people really liked for an alleged supernova star who had already kind of made it, started to make it clear who he was uh, by blowing up uh, the Cavaliers franchise behind the scenes and Kyrie Irving. I don't want a player that is going to ownership and issuing ultimatums that it's either him or get rid of the coach and the GM. Even if he has a relationship with my coach, this guy just forced his way to Brooklyn or chose to go to Brooklyn and completely sabotaged with a co-conspirator and former Celtic Kyrie Irving, uh, the culture of that organization. I don't care how good he is. I'm, I'm completely out on Durant at this point. Mike, I'm in full agreement with you. I said before when we talked about this that even though Durant is signed for the next four years, it matters not if he's just going to force his way out. And we have to remember he chose the situation. You have to assume that he was a part of choosing 
uh, to have Steve Nash as his coach, and now he's calling for him and the general manager to be fired. This is like this is in- extremely disruptive, to put it mildly, to an organization. I, I don't believe. I think what's happened here is that Brad Stevens did his due diligence when uh, what a month and a half ago or whenever it was that Durant went made his trade demand. Stevens made an offer that was probably. And, and let's not get caught up in this term offer. Stevens gave the indication that the Celtics could be willing to make a trade based on certain parameters that was probably close to what he would act be willing to do because Stevens seems like the kind of general manager that, that, that negotiates that way instead of Danny Ainge, who's like, I'll give you crumbs and then you have to spend months working your way up to something better. Uh, Stevens seems to say, here's what we're willing to do. And it's not that far off from what he's actually willing to do. And I think the Nets uh, don't have an offer that they like. And I don't think, I think they're, they're in a tough place. And I think the best thing for them is to bring both uh, Durant and Kyrie Irving back and try to win with those guys. Um, and I think they're trying to call Durant's bluff by basically saying, look, we don't have good enough offers out there. And they took probably the best offer they got, which was Boston's and promoted that. Uh, I don't know whether the, the rumors came from, Boston or the agents on Durant's side. Uh, my understanding is that Shams usually is connected with the agents, whereas Woj is more connected with the teams. But um, this is not somebody I want to be brought in on my team. And it's not just that the fan in me would rather root for Brown, um, but I just this is just gross. I'm not into it. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I thought that was a really good synopsis by both of you. I think the last time Kevin Durant showed that he had really good decision-making was when he left Oklahoma City. He's tired of playing with Westbrook. He did eight years there with Westbrook, and they didn't hang on to Harden, and he was like, okay, we're, it's time to go and do something new. Uh, and he went to, to the super team, to the Warriors. Every decision since then, including leaving the Warriors, has been questionable in my mind, namely wanting to team up with Kyrie Irving. Celtics fans don't need to go too far to, to look at how questionable that decision-making is. Um, so that doesn't mean I wouldn't want him on my team, but I think the reason, I mean, one of the reasons I feel like I wanted to take a vacation the last few weeks was because I did not want to respond to the Brown for Durant trade, you know, basically tweet by Woj. Because the Woj tweet said, it didn't say they're close to a deal. It said they're among a few teams. They, the Celtics have emerged with several teams who have made offers, basically. It's like, okay, so there's no traction on any of those offers. They're not close on an offer. It was not, it was like an off season fluff. Let's keep the NBA media cycle going 365 days a year. And it's the dog days of August. So like we got to do something. And so they put out that, that, that clickbait. Um, So, you know, and then I could go on and on about Jalen Brown and how he's developed each offseason and how he's come back, you know, better each year. And um, I think that this is a huge offseason because they made it to the finals. They were two games away from winning the whole thing. So they're as hungry as they've ever been. Um, And they were kind of exposed a little bit in the playoffs, you know, from from Brown to Tatum to uh, to Grant Williams and others. So. It just hasn't been something I've wanted to talk about because there was nothing to talk about, in my opinion. Josh, you know why they call them the dog days of summer? No. It's because the heat gets so high that you get thunderstorms that causes the dogs to bark. 
Wouldn't you rather talk about that? Isn't no. that more interesting than Durant? <laughs> um, when when the Celtics yeah. made the Brogdon deal, I was I I thought it was a great deal for the Celtics as is, but I also thought it set them up for them to make a Durant deal because it allows them to trade other players and or a deal like the Durant deal. It may not be Durant. It's you know who's the next guy that could be on the market that the Celtics might be interested in. It sets them up to be able to have both the salary to trade for for that and the players to be able to do it. I kind of like the fact that the Celtics seemingly have a, if not the best, a strong offer for a guy like Durant. That's really nice to see, and I hope they don't make it. Yeah. But this is not over. This is a deal that can be made in training camp. That might actually make it easier for a team like the Celtics to make a deal like this. But unfortunately, but this we're is not be a deal with this for a while. This is not a deal that that should include multiple first round play, picks plus Jalen Brown and any other good players. Like if you're just trading Brown, it's it's one or two picks and that's it with him. If you're trading Brown and Smart, you know I don't think you add any picks to that deal. Maybe one, but the yeah. idea that they're going to get Brown and another really good player and four first round picks with pick swaps and the whole shebang, like no. No, not for a 34-year-old Durant. If he was 31, maybe. Josh, if you're Brooklyn, would you do it for um, Brown and White? Is that enough? Um, yeah, based on the predicament that they're in, I mean, you got to do something with Kyrie, too. Like, I don't see them trading oh, they're Durant just dumping going him. into the season with... Yeah, you know, like, so it's, it's a bigger conversation, I think. Um, but for Jalen Brown and White... I, I would think hard, long and hard about that. I would ask for one pick, and if I'm the Celtics, like that's the kind of deal that seems fair to both sides. Brown, white, one pick. Mike, Josh, anything else on Durant before we move on? Mike's ready to move on now. Yeah. I, I am ready to move on. I have no pity for the Nets. They should not have. They they signed themselves up for this, and I think the Celtics, I would feel the same way for the Celtics in three years if we'd make the trade for Durant. And it all implodes in our face. Um, I think yeah. I think it's very clear that our team has impeccable character. We just got to Game Six of the Finals, blowing it up for a guy that or is currently blowing up an organization. It's insanity to me. I think the uh, the last thing that's important is that the longer we wait without trading Jalen Brown, means that we don't have information that the Celtics don't have information that he's ready to leave after his contract's up. The longer he's with the team, the more likely it is and the less fear fans should have that he's going to leave. You know, because that's all part of this conversation, too. Like if he's if Jalen Brown is ready to leave after his contract's up, then you want to trade him. And I think that, you know, even on our podcast, Mike, you've expressed some fear in the past about Brown or Tatum or both wanting to to leave and how stars will often want to leave. Um so the longer Brown stays, the, you know, the longer we can just continue thinking he's happy here with the Celtics. And uh, yeah, and Ad, Adam, as you were saying, we have a better player to talk about than Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, let's switch gears from a uh, player putting his needs in front of the teams to a player that put the team's needs in front of his, Bill Russell, who unfortunately passed away. There's been a lot of remembrances and, and uh, memories shared on other podcasts about Russell. I've always thought he was uh, should be included in in the Mount Rushmore's, the top five of all time, more than he is. Uh, people make qualifications like he's the greatest winner of all time. No, he's he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Um, he's right up there for me. I, I think he's right behind 
uh, Jordan and LeBron, and and he should be in that conversation. Uh, but Josh, you've got a bunch of stats that you wanted to play a quick game, right? Yeah, I've got stats that I've compiled, and you know some of them are things we always say when we talk about how great Bill Russell is. And I'm curious what you guys think is his most impressive stat of his career. So number one, he's second all time in minutes per game, forty two point three. Wilt was 45 minutes per game. Obviously, the game has changed a lot, um, but that's, I mean, that's something I did not know about Bill Russell is that he was second all-time in minutes per game until I started doing some research. Um, The rebounds are out of control. He's the top 20 rebounding seasons of all time are just Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. He averaged 22.5 rebounds per game, Russell did. Um, and he's second all-time in career rebounds. And both him and, and Wilt are like 4,000 rebounds ahead of the next uh, players in the group, like Moses and Artis and, and people like that. So obviously that's another aspect. You know, there was a lot of missed shots back then, uh, so more opportunities for rebounds. Number three, he has five league MVPs. So he's tied for Michael Jordan with second all-time, five MVPs. The only player with more is Kareem. He had six MVPs. Stat number four, he's got 11 titles in 13 years, right? We've all heard that one. But he won eight in a row. I mean, just imagine being another NBA player and knowing that Bill Russell's won six championships in a row and then two more are coming. Uh, Number five, he's 10-0 in game seven playoff games. So deciding games. Uh, that are at least game sevens. And then in elimination playoff games, he's 21 and 0. To me, that, that gets my vote for the most impressive stat 21 and 0 in elimination playoff games. What do you guys think? Most impressive Bill Russell stat? I'll go first. I, I wish that blocks were on here, but they were not recording them yeah. when Russell played. I think that they would be, I don't know whether Russell would be number one, but I think he'd have gaudy stats, especially in comparison to other people and in comparison to players who play now. And so I mean, that would be fascinating to me. I wish somebody could go back and I, I'm assuming we don't have the tape or somebody would go back and actually record that. Um, the 21 and 0 in elimination games is really impressive to me, but the 11 titles in 13 and the eight in a row makes him the winningest athlete of all time in the uh, top four professional sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, and football. And so I have to go with that. Like, if the goal is to win the games, you got to place him at the top, and he is the winningest athlete of all time. Mike, that's a that's a good argument. I think I'm still going to go with 21 and 0 in elimination playoff games. That that's the one that grabs my attention. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> and and what it speaks to me, and one of the one of the things, I mean, as you said, there have been all of these um, stories and podcast tributes to Bill Russell's that, that came since his passing and, and certainly many tributes to his illustrious career on and off the course, uh, the court before, before his passing as well. Um, but one of the things that kind of jumped to mind for me in, in thinking about who Bill Russell was, was he just had an indomitable spirit and kind of affect to who he was. And, and I think that 21 and 0 in elimination playoff games really hits at that. It's just like when it all counted, he was going to win out. And it kind of made me feel like it, it, it gave me an, a, a crisper awareness of one of the ingredients. I think the Celtics and Jason Tatum in particular doesn't quite have. 
and and that's that I think is going to be interesting to see if you know how much Tatum can can grow that type of mentality and mindset, um, and if the Celtics can kind of get over the hump. Um, you know, it 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 distinguishes someone like a true all time all time great basketball player and just great individual uh, in Bill Russell versus Tatum, who is going to be great on the court. This is what separates Tatum's potential ceiling from from a true legend like Bill Russell. Yeah, Bill Russell, the he was the epitome of unselfish team sport athlete. He cared more about the team than he did about himself. Um, and like, I don't know about you guys, but you know, as a as a player, any you know, whether you're playing rec league or little, you know, it doesn't matter. Like as a player, I always got a better feeling when I would pass to somebody who would score the ball than when I would score the ball. Like I'd rather have the game winning assist than the game winning basket. I would think most people get a lot of joy just from seeing the ball go in the hoop. Um, but you know, as a as a college coach, we used to talk all the time about. It was a Kevin Garnett quote, but it was really what Bill Russell told him was that he had the biggest team ego of any ego of any player or biggest ego of any player in the league. But his ego was a team ego. Like he cared so much about like, you take you take the biggest ego in the league and you have that apply that to to the team or to winning the game instead of just, you know, whatever individual accomplishments there are within the game. And you have an amazing athlete and, and that's i think what creates these kind of statistics like 21 and 0 like 10 and 0 uh like eight in a row like this just you have to not care about yourself in order to get those kinds of winning stats so to me I, i'd heard something on a podcast too over the last couple of weeks that was bill russell never said a negative comment to any teammate he was never he was never disparaging to his teammates in any way or at least according to him in an interview with bill publicly um, or privately i think private like i think he was saying privately that he never said anything negative to his teammates he never he, he was always just trying to be positive with them i wonder if that would be the if that was still the case when he was a player coach um but you know he was just the type of personality he had he was always trying to turn every interview into you know a genuine relatable experience where there was a lot of laughter and he was always trying to keep things positive and see the potential in everybody um and that kind of encouragement you know we know through coaching psychology works better than negative motivation or fear-based motivation um so yeah he obviously as a human he was just way more impressive but on the court the stats are just they're just incredible Adam, the block stats too. If we had those, I wonder if that would be the kind of stat that would never be broken. Um, if you look at the the leaders of all time in blocks per game or blocks per year, you see like Elijah Wan and Manute Bull and Mark Eaton, those guys are averaging like four or five blocks per game. Nowadays, it's really difficult to average over 2.5 blocks per game. You very rarely have anybody doing that. And obviously the center position's changing, the game's changing, um, but... Gosh, I don't know if if he would have averaged six, seven, eight, nine blocks per game, but it it could have been like those kinds of gaudy numbers. The Celtics are trying to fill in some big men, and they signed a couple guys to training camp contracts: Noah Vonley and Bruno Caboclo. Uh, the training camp contract, I'm assuming it's a 
small amount guaranteed just to get them into training camp. But if they make the team, then they uh, would uh, probably stay on for a year. Josh, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't yeah. even know if either of these guys are going to make the team. And if they do, we're talking about the fifth big man. Like, do you have any thoughts at all on these guys? Yeah, I do have thoughts on on both of them. Oh, um, darn. Yeah, they'll be quick. Uh, I watched Caboclo a little bit in the summer league. He was one of the only summer league players overall that really stood out to me that I was like, man, I, I just hope the Celtics could get him. Like, why do we have these two other guys? I don't, I'm not a big fan of Kevin Gale. Um, and I, I think Caboclo could potentially beat him out for that spot on, on at the end of our bench. The two-way um, spot or a spot on the roster? Well, I'm forgetting now what uh, Kevin Gale signed. Did he sign a two-way? He's got a, two, yeah. he's got a two-way. Yeah. yeah, so so he's in that spot. So if, if Caboclo would make the team, I'm wondering if he could beat him out for playing time because i just, think Caboclo I'm, I'm trying is, to get the parameters is, of a bet here josh and i i uh i think no, i think kevin no, probably stays as a two-way and Caboclo is not ineligible for that so if you know we could do one around no, i wouldn't bet on that makes the roster this this is the saddest bet conversation that's ever happened yeah, on yeah. this podcast and i i'm i'm a little embarrassed for, i mean i know it's august but come on Brent, pull yourself together, but Caboclo. Kabokolo has some versatility and flexibility defensively and athletically. He can, you know, he's not just a, a center. He can play some four, potentially some three, and has some of those kinds of perimeter skills. So someone, you know, how old is he now? Probably 24, 25. Like someone who's that age now, you're, you're looking at someone who's maybe ready to, to actually... Uh, realize their potential after being in the league and being going through all the development and um hold on hold on so i kind of like that signing you said he's potentially maybe ready to be in the league when bruno was drafted eight years ago where the joke was that he was two years away from being two years away and now it's four years on from that so now he's finally ready according to josh so well, I think he's he's 26. This will be his year 20, age 26 season. Uh, Danny Ainge always liked to get foreign guys like Daniel Tice when they were age 25. Um, and I think that that's, that age, 25 to 27, is when you would start your prime, when you would know how good you're going to be as a player. Or if you're a, you know someone who is a project and takes a long time to develop, that would be when you actually see if, if there's anything there or not. Um, and I think mercy. Can we move on yeah. to Vonley? I know you have sure. thoughts on him too, Josh Hingham's own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched him when he played for rivals, uh, on the AAU circuit with my guy, Jeremy Miller. And, um, I think that Vonley, I was really excited about him coming into the draft. I was told my buddy, my Knicks fan friend, that he should be excited about Vonley when he went to the Knicks. And then Number nine. he just really hasn't, he just hasn't like, again, realize his potential. And, um, you know, Vonley's got like really strong legs. He's got kind of tree trunk legs that are a little heavy. And I wonder if that's limited his mobility and, and stuff. He's a really good rebounder. Um, at least in high school, he was a really good passer. And I just don't know for the, the NBA level if he's, if he's going to be able to play at this level because he's bounced around enough that I'm a little worried about that. He was playing in China but I like last the year, China is yeah. not a league known for its defense, and uh, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that he went to China, that he couldn't find right. a deal in at a, a higher level league. I, he can, I mean, if you watch highlights, like 
he was shooting threes and it looked nice in China last year, but in theory, he should be good. That's always been the situation with him. Like in theory, he's, you know, he's a guy who can move a little bit. He's a hustle guy. He's a rebounder and he can shoot the three. It sounds pretty good. It sounds like a fit for this team, but he just, he hasn't put it together. It's an, you know, and he's like, he's like if Bobby Portis had no motor. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not uh, Bobby Portis' like value is a hundred percent based on his motor. Yeah. So it's a problem. <laughs> like, he's a bad dude. Um, yeah, but so my, but wait, wait, can, I, can I give guy. my favorite Vonley yeah. uh, nugget? It has nothing to do with his game. It just, and I'm putting this, this Eagles, Phil, Philadelphia Eagles reporter that I've, don't know at all on blast just because he had this wonderfully amusing tweet in may of 2014 this guy elliot shore parks who said one prospect i am not sold on is joel Embiid. if i were the sixers i would take noah vonley over Embiid. and that's my favorite thing i've learned about vonley is that that tweet exists in his favor um <laughs> uh picking him over Embiid uh by this random guy in 2014 i that that's i think a wow about as much hype as I can muster for, for this signing personally. Uh, here's my issue with uh, with this. We still need a fourth big. Neither of these guys are going to be the fourth big. We've got, we've got Al, we've got Rob. There's going to be minutes and injury concerns with both of them. And uh, I do not see, I do not see Gallinari as a big, like he can defend the four because it's the only position that doesn't have guys that are, uh, too quick for him and or too big for him but he's not a good defender so the idea that he's taken minutes from al i don't know about that uh at least you know he's certainly not playing the five and then you got grant who's not big enough to play the five and so you just like cornet is your your backup five and that's like he's a fifth he should be your fifth big so we still need a fourth whether they may go into the season like this and and resolve that later but that's a small hole that I see on this roster. So that's my only yeah. issue with it. I So I wanted to make a similar point. I actually, I think it's a medium-sized hole. I think it's a bit of a bigger hole than it is getting talked about because there's a lot of chatter about how we're going to not have to lean on the core rotation as heavily. Um you know, we've got Al and Rob up front and Grant is versatile. And yeah, like you said, Gallinari can plug in a little, maybe um, Cornette can plug in a little in in the big man rotation. But if Rob or Al suffers an injury, we do not have someone that can do what Tice did for us last year. And I was super excited about the Tice trade last year because for exactly the reasons that played out. Like he could swap in right. and be a suitable substitute for either Al or Rob if we needed it. And we ended up needing both at different points over the stretch run last year. We don't have, like, I do not feel that way about Cornette. I do not feel that way about um, Grant for the reasons you cited. He just, he only works in certain situations and Gallinari has limitations as well. So I am worried about that hole too. I'm higher on Kevin Galley than you are, Josh. Um, uh, and I, I will agree with your analysis and that I'm, I'm more of the choices we've got. I'm more excited about uh, Caboclo than, than Vonley. I'm, I'm hoping that we find a better, a better kind of long-term fix uh, 
between now and the trade deadline sometime during the season or before the season if possible but that seems unlikely well i choose caboclo over calvin gale uh, and as we're having this conversation shout out to aaron baines who signed with the brisbane bullets uh now 35 year old aaron baines back in professional basketball yeah and shout out to cousin gabe who is not a Celtics fan nor an NBA fan, but asked us why we haven't talked about the Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown trade yet. There you go, Cousin Gabe. We did it. <laughs> you got to satisfy the listeners. Uh, yeah. I don't know when, when the preseason like officially starts, when media day is. It's got to be sometime in September. We, we got another month to go, fellas, uh, at least. But the preseason schedule is out. The Celtics have four games in early October. And um, there's one at Toronto uh, playing against Toronto, but it's not in Toronto. It's in Montreal, which seems like a pretty cool trip to me. I, I highly recommend uh, Celtics fans taking a trip up to Montreal uh, and uh, and seeing that game and, and checking out the city because that's a cool Josh, place. You know, you know what time it is. It's time for the over one-year-long tease now podcast that the um, listeners have, have asked for. What? We got to get, we got to get your official... Which coach would win in a fight rankings? Oh, the coach fight? The coach fight. <laughs> that's that that that's coming up coming up okay. next on Celtics Celtics Pride on Celtics blog. All right, I'll get it done. So listen into that. Who knows when that will be? If you are still listening now, you're either cousin Gabe or you are a part of Celtics Pride. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA or at Coach Motenko. I'm not on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics blog.